0: Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie, and if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78, available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. This episode features an exclusive freewheeling conversation about Battlestar Galactica 1978. By your command, here's a sneak peek. Let's Man, do it. Okay, ready, yes. ready for the holiday special? Here we go. 10 best Galactica characters, starting with 10. Beryllian Noman at 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number nine. Number oh nine. God. Come on. Uh, who's number n- nine? Number nine is Cyrus Bellamy. No, she's not in the top 10. Come sure on. She is. No, you know, Lloyd Bachner from the Eastern Alliance. No,
1: I hate, I hate <laughs> the freaking Eastern, from Alliance. The Eastern Alliance. The stupidest Dama, thing oh, ever. Okay,
0: Okay, come on. Number nine. Okay, it's, 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 it's Green Bean. Yeah. Ed Beagley Jr.
1: Oh, my Lieutenant God. Lieutenant Green yeah, Bean. As, uh, what was his name? Come on. Green, 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 Green Bean. Green Bean. Green Bean. Yeah. Green Bean? Green Bean. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, number eight. Sheba. No, Sarah Rush. The, the Rigel, she's the one who goes launch all Vipers. Okay, we're gonna get the Sheba, right?
1: Okay. So, okay, Don't number re- seven. Number seven is the Chief Ovion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it can't be the singers. It's love, love, no, love, they're love. higher up. Okay, because well, we're getting now we're getting because you gotta have Countably in the top five. Yeah, you gotta have Adama. Don't tell you me who we gotta campaign. have. Starbucks Sheba. Yeah. Right? What about Serena? What about Serena? Oh, Serena.
1: Oh, yeah. And Apollo. You got to have Jane maybe? Seymour. Apollo yeah. maybe? Eh, I guess. Starbuck, uh, Imperious Leader. Yeah. <laughs> the computer. Baltar. Oh yeah.
0: How can you, you got have Baltar? Baltar? Right? You to have Baltar. Baltar.
1: Oh my mm-hmm. god, this got to be a holiday special. Uh, we need in. More. Wait, time wait, for wait, this. wait, wait, wait.
2: You guys, you've listed all of these names and I haven't heard Janeway
1: what's going on here you're funny
0: Obviously, what about the daggett you gotta have the daggett no, no you don't no you don't no, you gotta
1: have commander kane oh yeah you gotta, you gotta have, have commander kane
2: and you don't have to have boxy no you don't
0: oh No, yeah. you, you don't just need that like boxy need, to uh Bo-
2: wesley crusher but you, you, need think, a you, think, think, you need Athena you need
0: Athena. You need think Athena think because we were all like uh, ten years old at the time. I, I didn't, didn't like Boxy
1: when I was on, but I think it was more like I was jealous that this kid like got to hang out on those sets and like be in that show. I, I that didn't like that cool. kid. And you nah, were rooting against him in Neverending never ending story.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that he was the impetus for all these stories. Like he he hit it, he he um Hit out on the on the shuttle, so he he goes down to the gun on Ice Planet Zero because he was hiding on the shuttle. It's like he wanted on. to see
1: Muffy wants to see snow. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I'll show come Muffy on. snow.
0: <laughs> no. And then fire in the you know he's in the center of the action again
1: at Fire in, fire in space. It's like I don't. Well, like they kind of rode him out of the show by the second half though. He, he well, and Athena in also. I loved Athena. Were, yeah. yeah. Well, who didn't? Athena and Serena were my two go-to babes. Apparently, Don Henley didn't love her enough. He didn't
0: marry her. Oh, but oh, uh, oh, oh, too soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, what else? Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, it's just like look at the way we talk about the show. It's almost like uh, Inglorious Galactic Spurts. <laughs> 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 it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But let's. But you know, there's a legacy here because. So subscribe today at TrexFirstPlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck Seventy Eight. Fire the Rockets.
1: Mark A. Altman. Darren Docterman. Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you
0: find podcasts. Or go to TrexpertsPlus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman of Inglorious Trexperts and the 430 Movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78, available now by subscribing at TrexpertsPlus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. And on this episode, don't miss our in-depth discussion with showrunner director Kenneth Johnson about the 40th anniversary of V, the Incredible Hulk. Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, and of course, Bigfoot. Here's a sneak peek.
3: But it was, Brennan was in a hurry. And um, normally you, to do a four-hour miniseries with a cast of almost 70 people, um, you'd have, what, four or five months just to prep right. you know, the whole thing, just to build the stuff you needed and all of that. And um uh, and four or five months, and from the weekend when Brandon read my full first draft script and said, "Go," until the day I said, "Action was two and a half weeks. Oh my
0: God. Wow! That's, crazy.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Most people like you. Most people in the industry go. Now you didn't. That's bullshit. You I know. Casting
0: you know. prep, locations. I mean, it's And, and yeah. it's it, it it one it. thing, but that's crazy. That's extraordinary. I yeah, mean,
3: it was it was insane. And uh, and how <laughs> did it, how did it happen? Well, it happened because Brandon really needed it for February, or thought he did. And, uh, uh, and he knew that I could deliver and deliver fast as I had in the past. But I said, geez, guys, you know, uh, so I said, okay, look, I'll do the best. We, we'll do the best we can. And, uh, and we started shooting literally two and a half weeks after he said go. Um, and i now, I obviously. We had stuff that we were beginning to line up. I had always already corralled almost all of my crew uh, from the Incredible Hulk at Universal to bring them over to be with me at uh, uh, at Warner's. I brought along Chuck Davis, who had been my production designer on Prometheus and on on the whole Incredible Hulk series and Bionic Woman uh, before that. Uh, Chuck, who always would tell me, "Is this the best we can do?" You know and uh, um, brilliant guy. And uh I I, so that's a whole nother story. But uh so I had I had a team that had been working together for you know for over five years uh that really spoke the same language and a brilliant cinematographer in John McPherson uh and my composer Joe Harnell who, uh and I knew exactly where I wanted to go with the music and all. Um so I was had begun to line things up, but it wasn't until Brandon said go that I could say, okay, move everybody in here. Let's start the casting, let's start the location scouting and uh and, uh, and this was in a day where there were no cell phones. To, they could show you pictures. The, you know, they'd have to go take the pictures and bring them back, or they'd yeah. have to drag you out to the location. So we're doing all of that and then casting in the afternoons. Uh, and, and in many cases, I, I hired the first actor that they brought me because they happened to hit the ball exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anymore. They tell everybody else they can go home. So subscribe
0: today at com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. One of the co-hosts of *Inglorious trek experts. And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission. The complete, uncensored, oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital, or audio. And speaking of books, check out my new book about the making of John Wick. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well, what are you waiting for? Get on
2: it. Hey, this is Mark A. Alton, and this is Darren Dockerman, and this is Ashley Miller,
0: and we are the Inglorious Treksperts! And today on the Trek Spirits, we're joined by Heather Antos, the editor of IDW's Star Trek comics. We we talked a lot about the comics here on the podcast. We've had uh, um, uh, Rich Hanley on to talk about the interesting history. We had the the brothers Tipton talk about their work for IDW. It's had a checkered history, Star Trek comics, hasn't it? The Gold Key comics in 1967, which I still adore. That was one of the first things I wrote. I'm glad you adore them. I have but lot of stories of them. Remember the Star yeah. Trek logs, the trade paperbacks, and they collected all of them. And I'm like, "Is this Star Trek? Yeah, I don't know." They call him Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, but it's not really Star Trek. The, what, the what Planet Those Gold
2: Key comics
0: was Blonde Uhura. Oh yeah, that's well, right.
2: Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. And then, of course, 1979, Marvel premiered their own. Star Trek comic, but the funny thing was they could only make it a sequel to the motion picture. They couldn't do anything for the TV show at the time, which was kind of screwy. Um, and uh, But then it was a beautiful adaptation of the motion picture, I yeah. will say. That was a beautiful adaptation, and they did it in a Marvel super special, as well as uh, three issues of the comic book, and then it it went on and it went on and it went on until
2: it was yeah, There was like panel canceled. after panel of special effects. It was It was weird.
0: But I think that, uh, most people, uh, the first DC run, people, people really enjoyed. And of course, Malibu had it for a while. As, as fans of the podcast know, I did a bunch of deep, uh, deep space nine comics and was supposed to do the Voyager comic, but then, uh, I dodged a bullet because, uh, Marvel got the rights. And we recently had Glenn Greenwald on the show and he talked about, uh, uh, Paramount comics and, and Marvel. And, uh, then DC got it, uh, got it back and Tokyo Pop did a manga. And for the last fifteen years or so, IDW has had the license, and they've done a really good job with these Star Trek comics, haven't they?
2: Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And it's you know it's it's not it's not easy you know to uh, to 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 wrestle a property as huge as Star Trek make all that stuff interesting while the show is being made around you. Right. So, so God bless them.
1: Well, it's it. it- it's basically competing with itself, you know, it's it's competing with other Star Trek that's around. And, you know, for the time when there wasn't other Star Trek, uh, you know, you're home free. But uh, now with uh, so many aspects of fandom uh, coalescing on one or the other, it's uh, complicated.
0: And it's interesting because of course, Heather um, uh, not only is the editor of Star Trek, but for a long time, she was the editor of Star Wars. So she's one of the few people to actually, live in both worlds and in retrospect i wish we had talked more about that come to think of it but uh, we didn't and uh um but she she does um uh tell us a lot about how they make the decisions what they're going to publish uh who who the writers and artists are and and um and uh they're currently doing several comics and you'll hear all about them as we're joined by heather antos of idw right now well welcome heather you are at the uh at the helm, I guess they would say, or in the center seat of uh, quite an epic uh, uh, undertaking. You know, a lot of people have tried and died to do Star Trek comics over the years, some more successful than others. But I think unquestionably, IDW has had the most success with this license. Um, So uh tell us a little bit about how you ended up... uh taking the center seat, you know, what well, would you sort of your interest in comics and how you ended up sort of the, uh, wrangling the, the Star Trek, you know, your license, uh,
2: these days.
4: Yeah. Um, so I've been working professionally in comics for almost 10 years now. Um, I got my start actually at Marvel launching the, I don't know if we can name it here, the Star Wars comics, uh, <laughs> Um uh, so uh most of my career actually has been primarily on Star Wars. I, I worked um at Marvel and did did those for several years. Um left Marvel, did some creator-owned uh focused work and then ended up back at IDW to take over their Star Wars comics. Um and uh during that that time um uh, we lost the Star Wars license. Disney um shifted it over to Dark Horse and uh, honestly, how I ended up on Star Trek is my boss came to me and, and asked me, you know, which of our licenses would you be most interested in that that we had, and and, and you
0: said Star Wars, and then you and and then and, and he said we don't have Star Wars, so you yeah. said what's the other thing? With star <laughs> Does anything <laughs> yeah. else have the word
2: star in it?
4: Star in it? No, I said I. I mean, I immediately um, Star Star Trek was really the only franchise that IDW had that I was you know interested in. Um, I was very um, familiar with Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly who had just completed the year five run. Um, We had worked together previously um, when I was at Valiant comics on a series called the Harbinger, Jody Hauser, who's another, you know, truck familiar um, on the IDW comic side. I've worked with her a lot over um, my career. And so there was a lot of familiar faces already there Um, though. I, you know, didn't grow up a super diehard Star Trek fan. I did grow up watching TNG, Deep Space Nine, you know, saw the Abrams films, um, you know, had always been really, really interested in, in Trek and liked everything that I had consumed up until that point. So um, it it definitely seems like the least uh, intimidating franchise. Uh, I have I've never seen a Turtles thing in my life. And so <laughs> taking <it for> Turtles, <laughs> just me, I couldn't. Yeah, could've let's see.
3: It.
1: Turtles or Trek? That's not <laughs> yeah. a very difficult uh, decision. Uh, well, in the nineties, you in the nineties you could have had both at the same time. That's you true. could.
4: I mean, I, I, Hasbro has been begging us to do a Turtles Trek crossover for oh my years, gosh. so. Um, the toys Not since exist. Superman met so. Muhammad Ali has
0: there been such an epic crossover. Yeah. What is his obsession with these crossovers? I mean, I know that when Marvel got the license many moons ago, they made a big deal over you know Star Trek meeting the X Men. Mm-hmm. I mean, do they really uh, gin up sales, or is oh, it just? Oh yeah. Oh they do. yeah. Okay. They do gin
4: up sales, and it's a great um, opportunity to get you know if you had never read a Star Trek comic before, but you you know are a giant say or Green Lantern they did the Green Lantern you know Star Trek series um a few years back and the diehard Green Lantern fans are going to pick up that Star Trek book and they might learn like oh I kind of like these characters or like you know like this universe what else is out there and it's and it's a good you know gateway opportunity to pick up potential new fans who might not have been you know not might not have ever picked up a star trek comic otherwise
0: what do you think the reader of a star trek comic generally is does it depend on what part of the universe or like is do you like i'm obviously you do a little uh, research and demographic i'm just curious like do you who do you find like read start how much does diehard start uh comic book fans how much of it is like diehard star trek fans that don't read anything else but they pick up star trek and, you know, sort of, are, are they older? Are they younger? Just I'm, I'm curious. Yeah,
4: that is an excellent question and um, something I'm actively not looking to change, but looking to grow and develop. Um, when I took over the Star Trek line um, almost a year and a half ago, at that point, uh, we knew exactly what our sales numbers would be on any single Star Trek comic because it was just the same diehard Star Trek fans that are going to pick up every single Star Trek comic. And it was reliable and comfortable. And that's awesome. That's, that's you know, we were serving what people um, of the fan base were, were enjoying, that they were consistently picking it up. Um, they even did weird experiments where they would, you know, change the price point you know, let's change the price point to see if that number drops at all and it would, you know, stay consistently the same. So people were, you know, the diehards were consistently picking it up. Um, And one of the things I have noticed in my career as an editor is there was a lot of apprehension amongst fans and creators alike about doing work for Star Trek comics. Um, There was a lot of, you know, I, I think the same kind of hesitation that someone who's never picked up a, a Spider-Man comic might have, you know, there's a thousand of them out there. What do I start? How do I, how do I possibly get into, you know, this, this lore that is literally 60, you know, six years old at this point. Um, and so I really wanted to develop a line of Star Trek comics that is truly for a comics fan and truly for a comics reader, not just a Star Star Trek fan and Star Trek reader. Um, You know, I think Star Trek is super cool. And there's like, I mean, as cheesy as it is, there is a Star Trek series for everyone. There's so many different shows out there of different tones and, and characters and, and all of that. And you know, the cool thing with comics is we can put, and we're seeing it right now with the ongoing series that Jackson and Colin are writing, you can put together characters from literally every franchise, you know, and get them and see them interact together in a way that the movies can't, the shows can't, because uh, their actors, you know, might not be alive anymore, or might not be interested in doing any more Star Trek. And, and you know, there's a lot of potential to to do with the comic book line what has never been done. And that is to make it feel like a line, not a vacuum of isolated series that are disconnected, but really show how this universe is, is interconnected. Um, And that's something that comics readers really like. They like, you know, the, the canon of it all. They like the continuity. They like, you know, the splashy events or, and, and comic fans follow creators that they like. And, and, you know, getting to, to show comic creators that like, You know, you don't need to have an encyclopedia knowledge of Star Trek in order to write a good Star Trek story. You know, Um, that helps, but it's not, you know, it's not the 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 end all be all. That's that's why we that's
1: why we work the story,
4: exactly. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. um, a lot of what what I my goal has been is how do I create a line of Star Trek comics that's for not just the Star Trek fan but for the comics fan. Right.
3: Um,
2: yeah. yeah, it's There's- interesting that you say that because, you know, for the for the longest time and until I would say very recently, um, okay, by very I guess I mean twenty five years going back to Deep Space Nine. But um, the thing about Star Trek was you could drop in on any episode and that episode could be your first episode mm-hmm. within certain definitions of first episode. Um, and obviously that's, that's changed a bit over the years. Um, and I, I think, you know, Star Trek when it's most successful kind of balances out that sense of um, how do you, how do you drop in not knowing what it is, but now in this era, how do you kind of drop into something that feels like it has more of an epic scope? So, so how do you, uh, kind of draw that, that balance for the, um, I mean, I guess first for the audience Mm -hmm. and then second, you know, for the, you know, for the creators who become involved, you know, how do you know, like when they pitch you something that, you know, they're just not pitching you enterprise season two, episode 14 with the serial numbers filed off.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't, you don't always know. Right. And, and like, or or you'll get, I won't, I'm inspired by this episode, inspired by this, this franchise, whatever, but I want to do XYZ with it. But, um, you know, I always like to say everyone's, every comic is someone's first comic. So, you know, as cheesy as that is and as annoying as that might be, it, it's, it is important because regardless if you've been reading, you know, all Star Trek one through four up till now and, and issue five is about to come out or issue six is about to come out when, when this podcast drops, um, you know, that last issue was a month ago. <laughs> so, you know, um, and I don't know about y'all, but, uh, I read a lot of things month to month. I watch a lot of shows month to month. I can barely remember what happened on last week's last of us. Right. <laughs>
3: Before, right. Uh,
4: you know, and so, being able to write efficiently and effectively, um, to have all the information there for, for the the reader who isn't necessarily the encyclopedic fan, but also doesn't know what they had for breakfast yesterday. Nah. Uh, you know, that's really important to have. Um, and, you know, it's a it's really a collaboration with the writers and working with Paramount. Um, you know, I work very, very closely with Paramount on every single thing that I do. We have a call every week, um, where we, you know, they review art, or if I have, you know, super soft pitches of ideas that like, Hey, um, I have a really cool idea for a comic that takes place in this time period. Do you guys have any plans for this time period? Do you see a reason, you know, X, Y, and Z why we couldn't do something? And they'll either tell me that's the dumbest thing we've ever heard. Absolutely not. Um, or that sounds really rad. Let's, you know, let's, let's see what you, you got. And, you know, I think, one thing that I've really found is if you're working collaboratively with a licensor, like they want to do big, bold, crazy things. And if you show them you're willing to work with them, they're going to, you know, say yes more often than no. Um, And I'm very fortunate in that the crew over there, Marianne, Dayton, Risa, John Mancetters, like I've never been told no to any of like the crazy things Um, I've pitched to them. And it's, really exciting but also terrifying because when I took over Star Trek I was warned like they're really tough Paramount's really tough Star Trek's really tough like I just just be prepared um and I think 10 years of working with Lucasfilm like prepared me
3: for the worst <laughs> so, <laughs> so I
4: was like this is nothing this is I don't have to deal with Disney this is fine um, does it work
0: the opposite way Heather where say for instance they you know they're doing a, a new Tuvix show for um Paramount Plus and they say you know, we really want to promote, you know, what we have. So, can you do a comic that's going to uh, yeah. you know, launch our new Tuvik show? You
4: know? Absol- absolutely. Yeah, that that happens all the time. We just saw it with the Resurgence comics. The Resurgence prequel comics that is, you know, the lead up to the um Resurgence game that's going to be coming out later this year. So, um so long as, you know, if they have an idea for a story that they want to tell in a comic, We're given notice with a reasonable amount of time because comics, you know, um, though they come out every month, like they take a long time to plan and make and, you know, the approval schedules and and all of this stuff. But absolutely 100 percent, you know, just a few years ago that did that really great countdown to Picard, you know, series that led up to, you know, Picard season one, um, where we're. Right now, just releasing Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma, which, you know, takes place in between seasons one and two of the Strange New Worlds um, television show. Um, So, you know, kind of fill in the stop gaps of of different things. And, you know, even on those, we work with the the show creators, you know, doing the Lower Decks comic with Ryan Norris and Chris Finolio. We worked extremely closely with Mike McMahon um on those and it's it's really cool to be able to have a licensor that is so excited about what we're doing that they want to be involved but also trust us that we know what we're doing in comics you know, yeah, and you've not, had like, the license for so
0: long. There's not that little dance as to like, can they handle it? Do they mm-hmm. get it? Um, you know, they, they there's that trust. And, and so my, my question is, you know, Nick Meyer famously said that Star Trek's a radio show, which is true. I mean, I think that's why so many of us who grew up with the original show before uh, home video, um, would, uh, Record on cassette tape and listen to it, and you know so it was it was a radio show right and and comics are the exact opposite of that, right? People look at it for the art, they look into a lot of cases for the action for the big splash panels. so how do you reconcile and this is something I was dealing with when I was writing the Deep Space Nine comics way back in uh previous life. It was like how do you reconcile the idea of it being very dialogue centric with you know what a comic book audience expects and obviously, Star Trek is the more cerebral franchise. well at least until Andor so sorry Star Wars but you know how do you um, you know how do you reconcile those two things in terms of delivering something that feels like Star Trek but also is a great comic book
4: yeah um, I think that's where you you know uh, we're having a a collective a line of comics really helps and comes into play with that Um, and readers will really see that when uh, well to fight number one is out by now, um, when this airs. So, um, Star Trek by Jackson, uh, Colin and Ramon Rosanas is definitely our more cerebral talky, you know, high concepts. Um, you know, <laughs> what does it mean to be an um, uh, omnipotent human? <laughs> and what is it, you know, uh, who is a god killer, right? Some very high concept, cerebral, surrealist, um, things going on. And it is, you know, it is, pretty talky at times um, though, you know, the last couple of issues we did d- deal with the, the God city of Tacon, where we got some cool like space fight stuff going on. Um, but even that, like it's hard to get a scope of a, a spaceship right. Fight in a comic book. Um, yeah. You can't get the speed of, of a moving ship. And that's where you really, really rely on having um, the talented artists that we do um you know for megan lovin's and strange new worlds uh Chris olio and lower decks um ramon rosana's on star trek is you know finding artists who can create cinematic moments and make these talky pages feel heavy with with the stakes of what is going on um you know it's not just a grid of of static faces right, right. And, and a little zoom square there's there's different angles and and close-ups and um you know the page turn right the reveal and and moment of the page turn is is really effective in storytelling and um really thinking those things through when we're putting together every single issue goes a long way now on the flip side, then you have a book um, like Defiant, by Chris Cantwell on Helen's Weta, which is kind of the underbelly of the Star Trek universe. And, you know, it's more insurgent style and espionage and not everyone's a good guy. And, you know, I think on the very first page we see Worf punch a computer. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of tells you right off the bat what that book is going to be. Um and I think recently it was Defiant number five. Chris wrote a scene where Worf throws a chair across the room and, and my note to him was like, why, why throw a chair when you can flip the table? Um, <laughs> so um, these are, these are the high level editorial notes I give folks. Um, but, you know, uh, y- you can have something like Defiant where it is more, you um, action focused and lower decks that's, it's a little bit of talky, a little bit of comedic. There's a little bit of of comedy in there. So um, Star Trek has a lot to offer for folks. And that's why I think it's so fun to work on um, because the way I see my job is 99% of my job is, is casting. And if I cast the right people for the right books, then, you know, at that point it's just project management and making sure everything kind of happens. And, and yeah, like knowing who to put that trust in goes a long way. And, um, we just have such a great crew of creators on these books that are so passionate about Star Trek and it shows in every page, um, that I, you know, I really, think this is this is a really golden era of Star Trek comics. Well,
0: let me ask you about that, because traditionally Star Trek comics have always been, you know, it's the original series or Next Generation or Voyager, you know, they're sort of bifurcated by the shows. And what you've kind of done recently, it's kind of the Avengers or the Justice League, where you know, it's Cisco and Worf and Spock, and you're combining all these uh, into a really tasty mix, right? You know, be a really good souffle because you get all the great ingredients and you stir it up. So my question is, is that sort of the way forward or is that a way of sort of taking people who are fans of all these things and sort of bringing them to to sort of elevate, you know, or push up the numbers or, you know, like what is, or is it just like something really cool creatively or like what was sort of the impetus for like, oh, now we're going to cross the streams, so to speak. You know, we're going to bring all these characters into, you know, one sort of all star kind of uh, epic books.
4: I think all of the above, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. when I when I first pitched a Star Trek number one relaunch um, to Jackson and Colin, I straight up asked them if you could build the Avengers of Star Trek, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh they they came up with the great crew that you that you see before you now. Um and yeah, no
0: Harry Kim. We're gonna get Spock oh, and we're gonna Oh, get Harry Kim! Harry Kim, <laughs> has,
4: Harry Kim has a moment coming up. Just you wait. Okay. <laughs> Just you wait. Chris Cantwell is very passionate corrected. about Harry Kim. Um, so he's
2: the guy. Okay.
4: Yeah, he's he's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Um, no, uh, Harry, Harry Kim gets a nice little cameo. Um, so is there? Uh,
1: was there any time where you uh, uh pitched an idea that you really liked and they said um yeah A- any other ideas?
4: Not yet honestly which is wow, that's like co- constant knock on wood uh you know that that's that's one of the things like there's so many cool things that we have planned that haven't been announced yet that I I I I'm just dying to get out there.
0: But you got to wait till um, San Diego.
4: I have to exactly I have to wait okay. till San Diego. Um, uh, like just just yesterday, literally, um I, I had a call with with Paramount where I have this, you know, another crazy idea I've been I've been thinking of of kind of um an undiscovered or uh an unexplored touch point and truck lore that I am just constantly like, I can't believe that no one has done anything with this this time period yet um, they must have some plans, right. They must have something going on. They must, cause it's too cool of a thing. And I pitch it to them and they're just like, yeah, no, do it, go for it. Um, and so I'm just like, okay. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, when, when I pitched the relaunch, um, and defiant and, and doing this day of blood crossover that we're doing, um, you know, I, every step of the way I'm constantly, you know, shocked that they're going for, like, we're having a Star Trek crossover called Day of Blood. The fact that they're letting me call something <laughs> called Day right. of Blood, you know.
0: Well, it's Green Blood, so it's okay.
4: Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the that fuchsia, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, and there's a cover, um, which you guys will see next month for Day of Blood number one that, uh, I can't believe they let me get away with and that's all mm. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. <laughs> there. If yeah, you don't want to
2: jinx it, um, this is at the printer, so we yeah. don't want them to take
0: it yeah, back. But it's, it's uh,
2: <laughs> well, we do live in a world where Worf decapitates a dude uh, to introduce himself to a show now.
4: A hundred percent. But but yeah. there's here's <laughs> the thing in comics. Um there's a difference between showing the decapitation on an interior page versus having it be on a covered, on the cover. Right. Yeah. Cover is marketing material. Cover lasts forever. Cover is <laughs> how you're promoting something. So, you know, it'd be one thing if if Worf's character poster was him decapitating scene, right? Yeah. Um You know her head
0: spinning? Frederick Wortham. Yeah. Frederick Wortham is appalled by this conversation of decapitations. If only he knew, only lived long enough to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to ask you about, uh, canon because it's interesting. Obviously, gold key, uh, there's nothing canon about it. Uh, you know, even later on, you know, you'd have like for three years between Star Trek two or uh, two years between Star Trek two and Star Trek three, they had a deal with the Spock thing and the Kirk is off on the Excelsior. And then they got to make everything, you know, back to canon. But, you know, comics weren't traditionally canon. They'd introduce all these characters that nobody, you know, that, that, that th- people would create and stuff. And then. You know, it seems with IDW, things changed in that there are a lot, not all, but a lot of it is canon, where you're working with the shows and and integrating, doing prequels and sequels and things that are canon. How did that evolve and what are the challenges of that?
4: Um, I'm not really sure how that evolved. I wasn't here when, you know, that started to happen. Ever since I was involved with the Star Trek comics, you know, it it was pretty... um, Corralled with with uh, you know the shows and and everything like that. I would say that probably if I had to guess, I assume that probably happened around when the Kelvin Universe when those films started and when yeah. like you know the talk of the TV shows when when they're starting to produce more Trek content. Essentially, you mm-hmm. know, um, it, it it it's kind of like um, again not to to bring up the the other devil in the room, but uh, Star Wars when um, when Disney bought out Star Wars and uh they wiped legends, right? And kind of canon reset and then all the comics and novels and, and TV shows and thus coming forward. It was, you know, it used to be the Wild West. Writers could do whatever they wanted and and now it's a bit more controlled. And, and Star Trek's um kind of kind of being run in a sim- similar fashion. Uh I I personally like that. Um, I like, you know, I like the problem solving of, oh, well, this character can't show up at this moment because, you know, they're at this moment. They're over here on the other side of the galaxy, or they say this one line and that screws up your whole entire plot. So now, you know, it's a fun little problem solving, uh, dance that we get to do constantly, which I love. And I, I think is a lot of fun. Um, and you know, as a, why is Tom Breaver at Marvel says everything is canon until it isn't, um, you know, the, the (laughs) movies and shows are always like most canon and then, you know, comics games, but you know, like the, the novels down here. Yeah. The (laughs) tears of canonosity. Right. And, um, you know, I, I have always found that, um, so long as you're not, Breaking canon and you know bringing back old Ben from the dead, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: If you're if you're fudging canon in order to tell a great story, then you know um, I, I think great stories. This is fiction at the end of the day, and um, you should always be well. Servicing. The most people, yeah, the yeah. most oh. people. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Damn it, <laughs> the science is real. I know. Um, I've got
0: I've got emails from them, so they're def- they're definitely out there. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question um, about um, how much when you got the gig uh, doing the license for IDW, did you go back and look at what other public or did you other publishers had done, or did you not at all? Like, I'm curious if you did look at the old Gold Key and Marvel and DC and what you took away, if anything, from what they had done.
4: I didn't do a super heavy, you know, read through everything. Um, more so, I, you know, I skinned and, and saw certain things. And the the biggest the biggest thing that I took away from all the comics previously is kind of like you said. They focused on the ship, the show, this crew. This, you know, and it, and it, mm-hmm. and it was. Um, I think I mentioned this previously. All every series was all just kind of done in a vacuum um and uh there was no real need to expand beyond you know the the singular issue issue or book that you were reading um granted in the gold key era that's also kind of how comics were just consumed anyway so it, you know um but i really wanted you know as i said to build a cohesive what does the star trek universe of comics look like um and and stuff. So I, I read, you know, the last couple of years of IDW to see like what IDW was doing and, and you know, um, what seemed to be resonating with fans and retailers mm-hmm. on that front. Um, but more so when I took over, I was more focused on like getting caught up on all the shows and rewatching, you know, old series and and things like that.
0: So Terry, Terry Metalis obviously had uh, written Hive with um, Brannon. And so he has a little experience writing um, uh, comic books. Now, obviously he's having deservedly a great deal of success with uh, what he's doing with what he's done with Picard. Uh, Any plans to try and get him to do, uh, you know, he has a lot of thoughts about how things are going to go after the show is over, um, which we all hope will come to fruition, but any, any hopes of getting your claws into him to do some work for you? Because he's a huge Star Trek fan.
4: He has pitched me personally. Uh, so, um, yeah, he has pitched me personally. I would love to, to work with him closely on something. It all depends on how the TV gods, you know, work, work their magic and and what happens there that always takes precedence and always screws up the comics. So, uh, um, as is, you know, as is, I guess, fate. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, he, he and I, um, talk rather regularly (laughs) about the comics and stuff, so who knows?
2: Now, Terry. aside, generally speaking, do they keep you um, up to date on where things are going, right? Like, so that you're you're ahead of the curve, or do you get to find out what happens in episode 10 of season 3 of Picard like everybody else does?
4: It depends on the show. It depends on what we're doing. Um, So, for instance, for Picard... um, a, uh, as as you may or may not know, a lot of the characters that are in Picard are also in our comics, um, yeah. huh. and uh, so because of that, um, and wanting to make sure we leave our characters where they need to be to end up at the right, you know, to 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 set up their path for Picard on um, Tatooine,
0: getting out of carbonite. Exactly, oh wait, that was the other exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Um, but, uh, you know, because of that, I got to read all of Picard, um, season three, um, last year. And, and so, you know, got to keep all of that stuff in mind. I was the only one of the creative team who, who did get to read it, but um, I'm sort of like the stopgap gut check. And it's funny because Jackson and Colin and Chris, like, they don't want to be spoiled, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I would do the whole, like. Tell me what you want to do and i'll say yes or no right like tell like what's <laughs> the I, right mm-hmm. like i don't want to spoil specific moments or beats or any or plot points right i want you to be able to enjoy this series as a fan um if it's you know if it's spoils for me i don't want to spoil it for anyone else uh and so we had a fun session where it was literally uh you know does warf x y and z no does you know <laughs> does picard yes or no Yes. You're, OK, you're like, cool. the,
1: you're like the Oracle, the keeper of all knowledge yeah. that doesn't give it <laughs> up.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, for uh, Lower Decks, when we were working on that, we got to see all the animatics for for season three ahead of time um, to, to keep in track with everything we were doing on that. And um, but for uh, Strange New Worlds, nothing that we're doing in the comics really, in our, you know, uh, will be affected by the shows. Um, kind kind of as Stranger Worlds is everything is kind of that one and done off adventure. So so long as we're not doing the same adventure that they're doing in the shows, uh, we can kind of do our own thing. And so uh, which I'm kind of excited about because Stranger Worlds is definitely my favorite of the shows. And I don't want that one spoiled for me. I want to be able to watch that well, I was oh, just going to
0: ask you if, you know, and hopefully to avoid the politic answer, but if you have a favorite Star Trek and is Strange New Worlds your favorite new show or is it your favorite Star Trek show?
4: It's definitely my favorite new show, which is tough because I also love Lower Decks. They're they're so different, though, and they offer such different things um, that it's hard to to pick but between the two, but of the, of the live action, Stranger Worlds is definitely my favorite. I, TNG probably is my favorite of all time, to, but more so, cause there's just so much nostalgia there for me, um, growing up and watching it with my dad and, and, you know, um, then revisiting it as an adult and, and everything. It's been really, really cool. So, uh, but I think, I, I, I'm just really impressed by what they're doing with strange new Worlds. How it can feel so modern and yet so classic all at the same time, Um, and and then just like the whole crew is just so good looking on, on every angle of that show. Like everyone, it is lends just, itself
0: to comics in that sense. I, know, I, guess. I was like,
4: everyone is just hot on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the casting director knew what they were doing. <laughs>
0: So what oh, do you Canadian is there what are you most excited about coming up? I mean, you know, obviously you can't—they're all your babies, right? But yeah. uh, like, what are you what are you really excited about? You know, that you feels like super groundbreaking, super cool, and can't wait for people to read it.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, hands down, Star Trek Day of Blood, which is Star Trek's first ever summer crossover comic event, um, which drops uh, late July um, from Jackson, Colin, Chris. Uh, Ramon Rosanis. Um, it's where everything from the Star Trek series and Defiant is leading up till now. Um, we just revealed that Kallus is the god killer and he is out to destroy all the gods, including Cisco. Um, and uh to get a little sneak preview of, of what's going down there. I highly recommend you check out the free comic book day issue, Day of Blood, um, which is a nice little 10-page prelude to the uh, catastrophic events that will occur. It is definitely unlike any Star Trek comic we've seen before um, and in a very exciting way. Like I said, cannot believe they said yes to this, uh, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, it's it's super, super cool. Jackson, Chris, Colin, and I spent two days um, last fall, and just like a, a, a Trek summit funnel of you know creativity where we beat for beat plotted out this whole thing and um Um, it's just it's so exciting and the covers that we have are just so incredible the artists who signed on it's it's just it's it's been a blast and i'm really really excited for this to be out there and for folks to see it for sure
0: no that'll be it'll be a good san diego for you yeah it's a lot to talk about you know, and 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 licensed comics have had such a checkered history, right? I mean, going back to, I mean, I think about as a kid when I was playing like 2001, <laughs> Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, they were all awful, right? And uh, and uh, obviously, you know, the Gold Key comics are super fun, but they're awful. So yes. um, uh, you, you, it, it's, it's great that you've been able to, you know, juggle the ball and uh, uh, satisfy long-term fans and, make this the uh you know such a such a delightful um you know uh, license because it's not easy I mean you you said I mean look at Star wars and, you know the hoojibs. it's not <laughs> always easy <laughs> um and and uh and then do you do you want to do stuff beyond star trek i mean is this is something you you think you'll be with for a while or are you looking oh, forward yeah content I'm, as well
4: I'm definitely gonna be on Star Trek for you know as long as Star Trek will have me as I, you know, as long as IDW wants me on them. Uh, I mean, who knows? A summer event could tank and then Star Trek is just like, we'll never do a Star Trek comic again. No, that won't happen. But, (laughs) um, but yeah, I am, I am literally, I was just in LA with, uh, Jackson and Colin and Chris, and we plotted out the next two years of truck comics essentially. So, um, we have, big plans lots of lots of road ahead of us um and yeah i mean i do work on some of the idw original titles as well mm-hmm. so it's nice to uh have other environments and genres and, it's and nice to have a job to, to fall in. back on yeah, yeah. But it's you know, the Star Trek
2: thing doesn't work out.
4: It's 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 nice it's nice to be well, like when I was doing, you know, Star Wars, I also did Deadpool, right? Um and it's just nice to to have like creatively different um, you know, playgrounds to play in because otherwise doing the same thing uh can get stale, especially if you are a creative person. Mm-hmm. So
0: well, I'm looking forward to that Mark Twain mini-series because we really want to know more about what happened to Mark Twain after yeah. Data him. Right oh, my God. Um, Star Trek Mark well, Twain, and
4: that's
0: it. That's, that's, that's,
4: that's,
3: <laughs>
0: well, Heather, it's been great having you join us and talking about everything you're doing at IDW and keeping... Uh, the franchise uh flags flying so uh, uh thanks and i know there'll be a lot of cool uh announcements coming up we had uh, chris on a couple of weeks ago and he could not be more excited about what he was doing and working with you so that was a Aww. a ringing endorsement he's yeah. he's a he's a great guy he's lovely. So, yeah, yeah yeah cool so um thank you for joining us and i'm sure uh we'll, we'll be hearing more in the weeks and months to come
4: yeah awesome thank you so much for having me
0: thank you thank you henna there you have it. The latest and greatest on the IDW comics with editor Heather Antos. What do you think guys?
1: I, yeah, yeah I, I would have liked to have heard uh, more of the, uh, uh, of the star Wars stuff. Cause that uh, it, it has to be a different experience dealing with these two, uh, you know, conglomerates basically, uh, that are, you know, trying to uh, maintain creative control over something. Um,
0: Control, control, we must learn control. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Controller. Yes. I got to tell you, I, you know, I very rarely finish these, these, these interviews and think, Oh, I wish we had asked this. I I agree. I think we missed. We dropped the ball on that. We were so focused on the Star Trek that we didn't really um, talk about what it was like to manage that Star Wars license. And I know, you know, my my son, for instance, was so heartbroken when they decanonized legends because he's such a huge fan of legends. And honestly, I read with him when he was younger that, um, that book, uh, Legends of uh, the Bounty Hunters, or the b- Bounty Hunters, yeah, the Bounty Hunters, the Bounty Hunters, Tales somewhere. of the Bounty Hunter, and my God, those stories are so much better than anything in that Ballad of Boba Fett.
2: Well, <laughs> even the yeah. oh, so are the ads, but you yeah. Know. And, and the <laughs> weird thing is, to warn any, but it's it's yeah. I mean, we we can't get them all, but maybe we can have her back someday. We can talk to her on Deck Seventy Eight. Yeah. There you go. No. That's the answer. Maybe, that yeah, maybe that's exact, the uh, equation by the trick yeah. only edict. I mean, that Trek has. My, my overriding reaction to this is the thing that's been sticking in my head, basically, you know, since we got into the idea of, you know, doing these, these comics that are set like in a different time and they're a sequel to whatever, is to me, the gold standard of Star Trek comics were that original DC run. Uh, yeah. That were the sequel to, you know, to Star Trek two II and three and four and like right. that, you know, it's on the Excelsior and like you've got like you've got the first Klingon in Starfleet, Konam, and he has that relationship with like Ensign with Bri- Lieutenant Bryce And they have like a, it, it's it's pretty great stuff, man. I love that. It part. had
0: its own mythology that had yeah. completely outside the show. I mean, there's that whole two years where Kirk is captain of the Excelsior. Yep. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's very interesting. Um, It is funny because I got to say, writing when I was doing the Deep Space Nine comics, it was some of the most fun I've had in this business, you know, outside of doing TV and and the free enterprise. I mean, I love doing those those comics and, and I love the challenge of trying to make it feel like the show, like not trying to turn it into superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. and and actually telling Star Trek stories with allegory and and meaning and still have it be a comic. And I was more successful in the beginning when I was really invested than when I just started having all this work thrown at me. Um, but uh I, I'm very proud of those, particularly Requiem uh uh eight nine, I think of Deep Space Nine, and then Tarek Nor, which was uh Deep Space Nine number zero. I was very, you know, that and was the, that Re- was really cool Requiem to be able to write Martians. that. No, it was just Requiem, and uh, you know, I did a couple other Hearts and Minds miniseries, and it was really fun doing that stuff. And uh, so I know how how enjoyable it could be, but at the same time, you don't get the 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 thrill of it being on screen or um, being canon, you know. And you know, like I thought, like my whole origin of the station was if I do say so myself, was pretty freaking great. And, you know, but it's never going to be canon. And I think in Epoch Noir it was,
2: you know, contradicted some of the stuff that I had set up in the comic. But it was bastards. But look, I mean, half of what we do, and, and when I say we, I mean, in, in the sense of of writing in this business, and this is what what gets me through the day and the night sometimes, is... Whatever gets you through the, whatever night, gets you through the night, it's all I, right. It's, it's, uh, we're writing fan fiction, man. You know, it's uh, we get paid to write fan fiction sometimes, Mm, and uh, I mean, uh, my my library of unproduced, or frankly, even things that are produced, uh, things that I've never seen the light of day. But you know, I got to pay a mortgage with it. Like, is is very large, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's very frustrating at times. You're right. It's like there are things that I think about that I'm like, ah, if only that had right, but. It didn't. But by the same token, the joy of it, I think, and I think you speak, you know, for for all of us, whatever we're working on, we're all creative professionals, whatever we're doing, whether it gets used or not, the joy for us is in the creating. It's in the making. At least I think the joy isn't getting paid. Oh, well, too. And I, then, like, the I, I, drinks no, afterwards kidding. and, like, all of the cocaine with the bears, which is terrific. Oh, uh, the other show. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I, uh, it was, I I would agree with you. It's like I have pilots that it
0: kills me that they never got made. And other pilots is like, I got paid. It's fine. It's like, I. it's just as well this one didn't go. I don't know how I would have done it as a series. Um, Darren, I'm sure it's the same for you with um, your concept art. You know, sometimes... It's just enough, like, you did something really cool, and you got paid for it. other ones, it's like, uh, to see it on screen, I know how proud you are when it gets on screen. And other times, we're like, why didn't they use this? This is fucking awesome.
1: Well, yeah, it's because sometimes the, the job is to show them the way not to go. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's that's equally valid. Yeah. Not as fun, but equally valid. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's valid. That's it. A-
0: yeah, yeah, no, it, it, and I guess it's, uh, you know, it, it's crazy because I keep talking about how busy we are and how, uh, you know, hard it is to continue shows. And, of course, um, we have more shows than ever right now on the Trek sports Podcast Network. We have uh, now on Thursdays, Inglourious Treksports, uh debuting every Thursday. Um, Friday is, of course, the 4.30 movie, which is back. For in with Stephen Melching. Uh on Tuesday, every other week, it's the Trexperts briefing room with Lisa and um Peter. And on Wednesday, um on an irregular basis, it's deck seventy-eight. So the week is filling up with Trexperts podcasts. Like and tribbles. you can get all of them by subscribing on Trexpertsplus.com. So I don't want to add any more. I keep having people approaching me about like, can you, you know, I'm interested in doing a podcast. No, 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 we're not adding. We're not adding any <laughs> podcasts. This is more than enough. Um, and uh, if anything, unless, I'd like a few less. Unless they do all the work. That's unless right. they do all <laughs> all the work. Yeah, but you know, also, I feel like there's a level of quality that
2: people expect. Yes, they 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 we have to maintain some- a quality control Yeah. Brand. You and know, there's only a, so much grab ass the three of us can do in any given week. And honesty, like I think they
0: expect <laughs> honesty from us. You know, a Trexper's podcast has to be no bullshit, you know. And and uh, we tell it like it is, whether people want to hear it or not. And so, you know, I don't want to just start putting in podcasts that don't do that. But we, one of the reasons we shuffled the decks was, you know, it, it's easier to manage all this stuff. But also, apparently market research says <laughs> it's, if you drop them during the week, they they uh they they can increase your numbers because that's when people listen to them more than on the weekends. Yeah. So slowly we migrated from to Saturday park. to Friday to Thursday with Treksperts, um, because uh um you know we thought it was cool when we did the third season on Friday because it mirrored the original Star Trek. But right. now it's just I want to drop on whatever day is you know going to get the most <laughs> eyeballs. To be honest earballs or whatever the fuck. Ear
2: uh, That, that and, sounds uh, creepy. The <laughs> doctor gave me some salve. It, uh, I
0: it helped
2: the
1: earballs are. of Pete Potwistle. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a podcast. It totally <laughs> could.
0: Could you imagine we did a podcast, the Earballs of Pete Potwistle, where we just interview actors whose names we mispronounce? Yeah. We. <laughs> we. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is this it, we shit? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, just yeah, get them yeah, backwards. <gasps> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't want to do any more. Pop. I love doing these, but I don't want to do any more. It's it's like this is enough. <laughs> and and it's, it's interesting. We've talked to some really interesting people on the show, and I, I really enjoy it. And um, uh, and I'm glad that uh, our listeners have, have have not only stuck with us, but uh, uh, Trekspers just can, continues to grow by leaps and bounds. As does 4:30 uh, Movie. So thank you for your support. And if you want to bring other people to the show. Should rate us five stars on uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to the show on, and uh, you can engage with uh, us on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, uh, if you'd like to meet uh, Darren and Ashley in person, uh, we'll all be at and,
2: and Mark and Mark, you'll be there oh, too. I'll be
0: I'll be waving <laughs> to you from afar, but uh, we'll all be at the uh, the uh, Richmond uh, Galaxy Con. This is a, a, a entirely new galaxy class starship. I think they're going to have to change the name to Neo Constitution cons oh because God. it's much cooler. You, you don't want to get into the Neo cons cons. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Good point. I take it back. <laughs> Damn right. I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Fucking Neo cons. Don't get me started. We'll lose. We'll, we'll lose another 10 listeners who hate when I go off on politics. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, what are we what are we talking about? We're talking about Treksperts, and you can engage with us on Twitter and Instagram, or on uh, what Inglorious Trek on Twitter, Inglorious Treksperts on Instagram, and Inglorious Treksperts on Facebook. So uh, come and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, Maybe ideas for future shows. Uh, Tell us how great the show is. If you don't think it is
1: for IDW comics. Yeah, no, no, they
0: don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. They're not interested. They're not open to your pitches. So don't bother them. They're very busy. We don't busy. want to hear it either. <laughs> we definitely don't want to hear it. We de- definitely don't want to hear it. You know, guys, uh, let me tell you, uh, you know, it's very hard uh, with TV to get made. Um, so I, I don't know why you would want to see a Star Trek legacy because the cast goes different ways. That's the way that television's made. Shut up. You fee- fee- feeble minded people on social media. Like I love when they tell us <laughs> stuff. It's like, did you know that Leonard Nimoy was? I was like, shut up, dude! You probably read it in one of my books or heard it on our show. It's like, don't <laughs> tell us. You don't tell us. We tell, get that us. We tell you. Review. No, we do <laughs> the betting. You don't uh, buy us out. We buy you out. <laughs> It's just like, I, I just every once in a while we get, you know, all this great stuff. And then somebody just says something insanely stupid. and I just well, roll my eyes and I'm just like, come on.
1: man No infinite diversity and
2: infinite combinations, Mark, sometimes uh, includes infinite stupidity. Well, okay. yeah, I guess I just, you know, it's like infinity. It's big. You know what? There's a lot. I, I can learn a lot
0: about different stuff that's cryptocurrency or uh, you know or, or 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 cooking and I want to hear people who know more than me well guess what when it comes to Star Trek we know more than you so listen to us don't don't try and lecture us because we know more Just saying I have Just a man. master's degree in Star Trek <laughs> yep that's right <laughs> that's why we're giving you I'm trying to make this word happen a trekucation Hashtag trek Inglorious trek is all about the trek We're teaching you that it's beyond the stories the actors tell in conventions. It's, there's a much deeper, more profound story to tell about the history of Star Trek. And that's why we encourage you to join us every week on this journey as we share our trek I'm trying out new material. What can I say? Nobody's still listening at this point. They've yeah, lost, they're waiting they for the, the, yes, the, they the actual... Okay, okay. They're the, show. Okay. So the, on, the on freebies. That, On that note, (laughs) on that note, on behalf of the great Ashley Edward Miller, the brilliant Darren Docterman, and the professor of trekkingation, Mark A. (laughs) I can't make it happen. Keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexprits in the 4:30 Movie, and if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78 available now by subscribing at trexpritsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek. Um,
5: Shatner is a
0: guest star in one of the episodes. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the villains, right? Uh, yes. And Roy freaked out because he didn't
5: want to the association between Sequest and Star Trek.
3: Oh, man.
5: Um, man. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. You know, look, for me, Shatter's one of the great ham actors of all time. Of course. You know, he's just spectacular to watch. And you should be pleased he's here. He's not playing Captain Kirk. But uh, it was, you know, you had to placate that. And then the earthquake, uh, that big uh, Northridge earthquake.
3: Yeah. It shut us down
5: for a couple of days. We came back and we're shooting... Uh, we're setting up to shoot on on stage, and somebody hits the lights for the production, and there's stuff floating in the air. You know, the big particles of whatever—I don't know what it is—and then the, the door, stage door opens, and guys in hazmat suits come in.
1: Oh yeah. Oh
5: no. Oh, no. And I and I—they won't tell me what they're looking for. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. why are you Uh in that suit everything's fine (laughs) (laughs) I I call Tom's there and they won't put me through to him so I shut down the show for the day I said we're done we're going to stop for the day because I'm not going to be a part of poisoning everybody here Mm, and I got called on the carpet for that you guys should be giving me an award for this I mean (laughs) nobody's going to get cancer I cleared the place but it uh, it was an interesting experience it's,
0: I remember it, being on the junket for it, and uh, they we made a big deal out of, this isn't science fiction. This is science fact. And, you know, <laughs> basically, and, and, uh, and uh, Roy is um, he's like Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, Roy, we
5: and we, you know, I,
0: we try to... You know,
5: sort of feather that at the end of the show with uh Bob Ballard saying, you know, Yeah, thirty seconds on something that actually means something. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, uh, there were people on the show who couldn't stand having him there. We're not we're not doing public television. This is an educational uh, television. It, you know the battles.
1: Yeah. It, it's a, it's a sad thing that uh that Scheider was uh was uh leery of uh, being on tv because that now that stigma doesn't exist anymore yeah. but you oh, no, know it was, it huge was
0: back then
1: oh i know, yeah. i know it was but, uh, you know, huge actors are doing TV now. Yeah, De Niro uh, just not announced thing. Yeah.
0: His, uh, was announced as a lead in a Netflix series. Yeah. Did, that's, did that's deal with... new shows yeah. Fubar? Did, did you oh deal God. with um, Spielberg at all? Did he know he had this TV show on the air? Like,
3: was he ever uh, yeah,
5: involved? I, I, I didn't deal with him much. He was in Poland. He came back. He was... Uh... He devoted some time to us, a little bit, but not yeah. to the degree you you, you would like. Um, right. I remember the first time he came into the writer's room and we're talking, and he's staring at Bob Ingalls. <laughs> he said, you were in the show last
0: night. <laughs> 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 he so he was <laughs> watching it. That's good. So uh, it wasn't commensurate <laughs> with what he was getting paid.
5: No. But you know what? <laughs> he did, He's a guy, who, it's it's hard to argue with him, because he, know, he literally knows everything about yeah. him. Yeah. He just does. I mean, it's a compendium of, of knowledge that maybe Scorsese knows more. I don't know. But Were he, there
1: were there ever any edicts to shoot on location in the Dive restaurant in Century City?
0: Uh, <laughs> Spielberg that and that that restaurant. Happened. That didn't happen. The, uh, <laughs> That's really funny. Good <laughs> fries. Um, did we? And then, and then Roy had had enough, and and Michael Ironside comes in for the last season. Were you? Had you had there. enough? You I, were gone. I, I, by was, then. I was
5: just there for the first. I I was there for the first season. I moved it to Florida. into the second season, and then I I went off to do other things.
0: Yeah, yeah.
5: I think you know it. I felt like the people that uh, I'm I'm guessing Amblin, uh, the executives, insisted on doing the show. So they could walk to the set from uh, the ambulance offices. Sure. It should, they had a great facility in Florida that wasn't being used. It had all the things you want in a show about being underwater that you could access within 10 minutes of where you are, certainly within the zone and shoot underwater. There's a place called Wiki I don't know if you guys know that, but <laughs> there's a mermaid show there. It's crystal clear spring waters, and they have a theater underwater with, you know, laughs that must span 30, 40 feet and wow. twelve and high looking out onto the water. You, it, you could have done so much there, but they didn't want to do that. You know, it was uh, it's a lot of hubris on the part of a lot of people who wear suits and ties.
0: Yeah, yeah, that happens. You know, that's for sure. So subscribe today at TrexForcePlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets.